Hey, everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 511 being recorded on August 29th, 2018. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Valentano. And there's more people. I refuse. I'm not taking it. Alex, is the screen I'm looking at different too now? I'm not used to seeing all of them all the time, am yes, I? I'm fine is. with that. I just... Yeah, I, I put Jeremy and uh, Josh on their dedicated screen so you can see them all the time. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. No, that's good. Oh. I like to I like to monitor them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're sure like, about that, it's like the Brady like Bunch. The only reason I noticed it is when I was looking to see what the podcast episode number was. It was very small on the screen, as opposed to full screen because it's only a quarter of it. But that's fine. It's fine. I just needed to know. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, this is uh, we talk about computer hardware and stuff. Mm-hmm. And sometimes things before that, sometimes after that. We record the show on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. PCPer.com slash live is the URL for that. You can get a little reminder in your email inbox if you go to PCPer.com slash subscribe. That's how you'll know <clears throat> when we're hosting this live event. Excuse me. <clears throat> Pull a Josh there. Uh, or any other live events we may be having. Maybe some live events we might be having in the month of September related to graphics. I don't know. We, we're not positive yet. But if you want to know about that, you'll uh, go to pcpro.com slash subscribe or follow us on Twitter or doing those other things that you do to follow and stalk us and do things that, that people do on the internet. I don't know. Uh, we still have our Patreon campaign running. Obviously, patreon.com slash pcpro. This is the place for you to uh, become a regular contributor financially to the website if uh, you run an ad blocker uh, if you just think josh is funny looking uh, if you just think the content that or videos that we do are worth a damn uh, this is for your way to chip in a buck or three or five or ten or twenty a month whatever you think we're worth <clears throat> i won't judge you based on how much you're judging us when you do it uh, but we greatly appreciate each and every one that does that. As is always the case, if you uh, become a new patron or increase your patronage during the live stream, I will give you a shout out, just like I'm doing right now, for Chris Ellington, who has moved their pledge up from $3 a month to $5 a month. Thank you, Chris Ellington. That is awesome. We appreciate it greatly. Uh, we have our merch store at joshtech.com. That's J O S H T E K K.com, uh, where you can buy. Death Wish Raid, Hot Dog Down a Hallway, Super Pipe. Uh, we've got the PC Per logo shirt, of course. Let's not forget the PC Per mug and the world-exclusive Josh Tech mug, print, and T-shirt um, that are taking Egg. the world by storm. Exclusive. Exclusive. And it looks yes. just like uh, Josh's screen, both him and the picture behind him. So, you know, there you go. The double Josh. <laughs> what does it mean? It's too much, Josh too much uh let's dive into the stories we've got then this week starting with uh a review that sebastian wrote up of the azul inspire fanless intel cabby lake barebone mini pc azul why do i why am i um ghostbusters, ghostbusters? Yeah, is that the ghostbusters no, that's, <laughs> Zool. that's just zool mm-hmm. okay yeah close enough yeah, yeah that's that's what i was going and is it isn't inspire an acer brand or is that acer aspire uh, there's Inspiron, Inspiron is Dell, but I think there's Aspire. Yeah, it's Aspire. It's Acer, like ASP. Okay, yes. all right. Yeah. So uh, unrelated to any of those brands <laughs> and uh, uh, manufacturers, this is a basically like a Nook competitor, if you will. 
Core i7, uh, up to 32 gigs of RAM, two SODIMM slots in here, both two and a half inch and uh, M.2 storage solutions. The one that Sebastian got sent was the Core i5 variant, apparently. Um, so it does have Cabby Lake parts up through and all the way down to Cabby, or, uh, Apollo Lake, if you want that. The uh, prices on these are, I think, pretty competitive. 335 is the MSRP for the bare bones of the Core i5 version uh, that Sebastian was able to look at. Um, obviously, you've got to add in – what do you got to add in? Memory, storage. That's it, right? You can add in – one or two SODEMs, an NVMe drive or two and a half inch drive, and, and you'd be good to go. Yeah. Uh, pretty standard external power brick. They give you the necessary SATA data and power cables, two Wi Fi antenna, and of course, a remote control. Um, looks very familiar to the Nook, very similar form factor. It does have a serial port, so we can all read Look the at little the bit pins in that. Yeah. DB9. Look, nobody's going to use the serial port. I would use a serial port. <laughs> for what? What do you use a serial port for? Yeah, it's part of the standard. Input output. Those two pins yeah. are supposed to be. My uh, <laughs> Sidewinder. Oh, that's a game port. That's different. How many How many pins did a game port have, Josh? 25. I see. That's LPT. Uh, 10. I think it's 10. Is it 18? Nine? This is know. 9 here for mm-hmm. serial. I believe it had 15. Or that VGA had 15. Definitely. Know, uh, uh, we need to hand out our geek, geek cards here. Uh, look, it's been so long. It's been so long. Sebastian's giving you your measurements. I'm, with I'm this counting. High One, tech two, ruler. three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. I was right. All right. All right. Yeah, you didn't count right though. I don't. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> <laughs> 11, 12. Here's the insides of this guy here. Uh, not much to it. You can see the dim slots there. The two and a half inch drive bay um, there on the left is on the in the lid. I guess that would actually be the base of the system. Uh, and you've got the Wi-Fi card and the M.2 card kind of overlapping a little bit there. No issues with thermals on that, you don't think? I wouldn't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Nice that's open design looks, too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fairly Fish. easy to to build in and 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 get to. So, I mean, there it is with the HyperX memory, the 960 Evo in place. Uh, in terms of performance, this is guess what? It's a Core i5 <laughs> part. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, very similar to the ECS Leva Z Plus that uses a slightly higher end. I, I bet it's, what, 100 megahertz difference between the Core i5 7200U and 7300U. Um, obviously not going to compete against the 6700HQ-based Nook that is uh, true quad-core hyper-threaded, right, Ken? Is that the 6700HQ? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but pretty pretty decent performance. You're basically looking at high-end notebook-level performance. Here's your... Real quick, simple storage read-write test. Um, no NVMe bottlenecks, it, it appears. Um, and there you go. Not too bad. I think, did he, did he price it out? 335 for the kit. Um, I guess memory and storage are going to vary so much based on what you choose, right? 960 Evo being, you know, this would be a perfect place to put one of those... Um, 660p's, hmm. you know, one terabyte drive in there, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think the 960 Evo is a bit overkill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, yeah. It's it's a notebook processor and platform, if you will, but uh, a pretty a pretty solid option. 
in a competitor to the Nook, and I think quite a bit less expensive as well. Josh, are you hunting for something? Are you going to show us? No, I just had a cat. Oh, but you just had a cat? You just had a cat? Do you need to go to the hospital? Not anymore. Natural childbirth. Oh, look, it is is indeed a cat. That is a cat. It is actually a cat. Uh, Before we get to our next story, let's check the – we got Patreons rolling in here. We've got a new $1 patron from Alpha Network. Ken? Uh, Is that you? It's not – Definitely not. Um, Alpha Network, Ken, thank you very much for that. And then uh, we have a pledge edit from 3 to $5 of Alan Doesn't Really Exist. <laughs> They're on to us. <laughs> That's exactly what somebody who wouldn't didn't exist would do too, Alan. Uh, next story. This one's pretty interesting. Um, Doesn't RTX look awesome? <laughs> Oh god! Real time. Oh my god! Real <laughs> tracing. It's not, it's not ray trace. Look at it, look at his head. I mean, it's not nearly enough reflections. <laughs> shiny enough. There's well, a cube maps. What was the, the meme them. I saw going around? It was like somebody, somebody, like the, a guy's bald head. Oh. No, it was a bald head, yeah. and they just added a whole bunch of reflections to the bald <laughs> yep. head, and it was with RTX, without RTX. It was it was pretty good. Um, Ken, this is uh, a story you wrote up. FreeSync working with NVIDIA GPUs and some strings attached. This was, I think, um, something that people have been asking for forever. They just want they want to buy cheaper FreeSync monitors. They want the variable refresh to work, but they want the GeForce GPUs behind it. Do we finally have the ability to do that? Until NVIDIA patches it out? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can, first of all, before we, it, we can all assume that's going to happen, right? That somehow this will... They might not be able to. Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay, all right. But... Tell me, walk me through the process. What are we looking at? So over the weekend, some enterprising people on Reddit kind of found out through actually the new World of Warcraft expansion was not where you hear all the latest hardware news coming out of generally. (laughs) In the latest WoW expansion, they added an option to toggle what GPU you rendered the game on. Now, this is a setting that's in some some of the more modern games. Like, I know Far Cry 5 has it. A couple of other games have it. The ability to change what adapter you're rendering the game on. And this enterprising fellow happened to have a Fire Pro card and a 1080i in their system. Unique configuration. Definitely unique configuration. And they had a FreeSync monitor hooked up to the Fire Pro card. Okay. So they turned on FreeSync through the Fire Pro configuration panel. And then they set the game to render on their 1080i. And they noticed that FreeSync was still working. They didn't see any tearing. They didn't see any judder. Anything like that. Hmm. So they went, huh. Well, <laughs> as it turns out, in the latest version of Windows 10, 18.03, in the April 2018 update, as they're calling it now, yeah. they added GPU switching as an option. So you can have a power-saving GPU and a high-performance GPU and switch between the two. Mostly meant for hybrid configurations and laptops like the Surface Book 2, which has an option for a GTX 1050 or 1060, and then the integrated graphics for battery savings. Okay. However... It turns out this gets kind of enabled on desktops. Now, for this original poster on Reddit, it didn't actually work out because the Fire Pro card appeared as both the power saving and the high performance GPU. And no one's really hmm. been able to find a way to kind of configure that. It's probably buried somewhere in the registry to like just an ID for right. which GPU is identifying as which. Okay. So that was kind of a dead end, but it was interesting that this worked. And someone else on Reddit discovered that. Well, if you have something like a Raven Ridge APU, they're using a 2200G, yep. then Which you could configure the AMD GPU as the power-saving GPU and the NVIDIA GPU as the high-performance GPU. 
It's actually how it's configured out of the box. Hmm. And bracing seems to work. So we kind of set out to duplicate this setup. We used a 2400G, a Ryzen 5 2400G in our case, and a GTX 1080. And we installed both, installed all the drivers, and Windows just kind of automatically picked it up. It picked up the high-performance NVIDIA GPU and the integrated uh, AMD Vega graphics on the Raven Ridge processor. Yep. We plugged in the FreeSync display, enabled it on the ra- uh, into the integrated audio out- video outputs on the motherboard. Enabled right. FreeSync. Yes, that's important. If you look at this picture here, yeah, you can see the DisplayPort cable the display is plugged into the motherboard, the motherboard, not the graph, not the which is unusual card. configuration. Yeah, yeah, for a desktop user, yeah. yeah. And then we just kind of started playing around with games. And so, one thing you have to do: you always have to right-click on it and click Run with. You don't actually because it defaults the high-performance NVIDIA processor because it's a even system without a battery. Steam? So. Even if you start the game yeah. through Steam, it does that. Okay. Any, I think it's probably only DirectX applications that supports. Sure. If I, if I had to guess, uh, yeah, probably. You know, it's, considering it's kind of a built-in Microsoft feature yeah. at this point. Yeah, so it so, actually so defaults you, to running all applications on the NVIDIA GPU because it notes it's the higher performance one. It doesn't have battery concerns. Hmm. Go ahead, Josh. Never mind. It, it's too late. It was a joke that <laughs> its time has passed and mm. never to be. Never to be seen again. Never to be yeah. uttered. Fair yeah. enough. So we kind of enabled this, found that FreeSync was in fact working, did a little digging into how this was working, and you actually notice if you're running a game on the GTX 1080 and then rendering it or outputting it through the onboard graphics, if you scroll up, in the graphics options and tax manager, you see massive copy operations. And that's because kind of inherently this is copying the frame buffer from the nvidia gpu to the amd gpu for the final display mm. and as it turns out the amd driver is handling the frame pacing and the FreeSync ability for all of the frames coming out of it so FreeSync functionality gets kind of added there in the pipeline interesting now mm. that begs a question You're copying frame buffers around how much latency does this add yeah is this even like a playable thing he clearly uses this wires and this breadboard <laughs> to figure that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> the best project when you can wires and a breadboard to figure it out. And this NVIDIA Shield USB cable. Yeah. Those are still the best USB They're cables. Very yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're very long. They're very long cables. <laughs> so this is some methodology we've kind of messed around with the pat in the past. Yeah. So we use an Arduino, Arduino microcontroller, the Arduino Leonardo, which actually has native support for emulating a USB HID. So in our case, a mouse. Uh, we hooked up a push button and an LED, and I wrote some code. So whenever you push the push button on the breadboard, it both simultaneously lights up the LED and sends a left mouse click signal to the operating system. Mm-hmm. Within the same Clever. Yeah. So from that, you can load up a game. In this case, we loaded, loaded up Half-Life 2 because we didn't have to worry about potential speeds that it ran at because we needed to test on the APU and the GTX 1080 at the same frame rate. And because the source engine has a built-in frame limiter. Right. You can manually set yeah. what the frame rate limit is. So we set the frame rate limit to 140 for the 144 hertz. Maybe 120. Kind of 120? Yeah. Okay. So give us a bit of headroom there. Yep. Actually. It was on a 144 panel. Okay. Running at, at, 144, at 120. But we, okay. set the, we set the rate limit to 120. Yeah. So we knew that it was always in the VRR. Inside the VRR yeah. range. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously if it goes out, it'll just inherit the game settings other tear or okay. desync on. Okay. Yep. Uh, so essentially... Alan did this testing, and what we did, did is... a thousand frame per second capture. Yeah. So we can have each frame was a millisecond, and then we basically just looked, you know, what was the delta in number of frames between the LED first turning on 
and the muzzle flash from the gun. Yeah, so sort up of on the, the input to photon latency. Yeah. So yeah. what people would generally call input latency. Yep. Yeah. And there is a little bit more to it. Like there's a fixed additional amount, like half-life, you know, some a the few frames engine. happen before yeah. the muzzle actually flashes. But but it's the it's, same across all yeah, of the, yeah, it's basically the situations, same. right? So configuration. Just, so, so just realize that these the absolute numbers look kind of high. Like you wouldn't think that it's like 30 milliseconds from moving the mouse until you saw something change on the screen. In reality, it's probably a little bit lower. Yeah. Right. But we were just looking for relative differences here. Um, so did a bunch of, you know, I think it was like 14 or 15, like repetitions for each configuration just to kind of average out any scatter or any, you know, weirdness going on. Um, and the end result was that, yeah, it adds some latency by having to copy the frame buffer over like just native g-sync if it was coming straight out from that gpu going right to the display it was 25 milliseconds and and, and to be fair there were different displays obviously they were built around nearly identical panel. if not identical panels so yeah. response time okay. is going to vary a little bit there but not yeah. a whole lot um but the the important comparison is actually between both is, wait, is the important comparison uh no i guess you have to go across panel types yeah so that is kind of another variable but we didn't really you know we were the, the kind of the end story is it's difficult to make a directly comparison comparable number because the vega integrated graphics will take longer slower. to render there's it's a different gpu you can't really make a comparison there right and the panels are different However, if you look at the 31.9 milliseconds of input latency for the sort of hacked FreeSync setup in general, it's pretty good. It's not something like 60 or 70 milliseconds, not adding a ton of latency into the pipeline. Yeah, Everything we we messed around with was perfectly playable. Yeah, now, if you're doing some eSports Twitch stuff, it you, you might notice it, but you're not going to be playing with variable refresh at that rate anyways. <clears throat> you're just going to be running a really high... Refresh panel with VSync off. Yeah, if I had to guess, it probably adds something like maybe five milliseconds. Yeah, just based on. Do we have at any numbers. concern that the that it's not actually mapping everything that the NVIDIA GPU does out to the screen? Right. Like I'm trying to figure out if no, we if, were able to. Like we tested a few games. We didn't test everything, obviously, sure. but we were able to confirm that the 1080 like 1080 was spinning up. Yeah, like, no, no, no. Not, was, and, and I'm sure you saw that there was no tearing, right? Yeah, all that. Yeah, but I'm trying confirmed. to figure out, like, it, were drops. there frames that were dropped, right, and not copy or copied over and not displayed or something like that? No, That's like what I'm was, trying to figure out. Because the other thing I did partially as a test to make sure that uh, that VRR was working properly was I also, uh, for each configuration, I recorded a few segments, like four-second clips where i was just kind of like going nuts with the mouse mm-hmm. just move panning it around in that scene where you're looking out of a door yeah and it was really easy to tell if you did drop frames because like the door the doorway yeah the light is, of the is, you know, of smoothly the moving transition around, would be right? dramatic yeah it would be pretty obvious okay. um yeah. so hmm. there was no indication that anything was really not working right yeah uh, that we being into, said we ran into some yeah, like, you, you're going to run into some weird difficulties like when we were launching half-life 2 on the 1080 like it didn't grab the correct resolution, so we kind of had to go in there and manually like set the resolution within any file. Like just some, yeah. some weird shit because this isn't a supported thing. Yeah, but overall, it actually worked a hell of a lot better and was way easier than I imagined it was going to be. It just kind of worked out the out of the box. Is this a thing that 
This probably still isn't a thing we would recommend people go build their setup around, right? No. Not really. No, because you kind of have to have one of these AMD APUs, so you're limited there already. You can't really use two discrete cards because there's no way to set what adapter is which for now. That might so be I something might that someone that could eventually. figure that out. Yeah. And then you could add like a $30 FreeSync-capable AMD GPU Graphics in there card. and do it. Yeah. Like if, if you the, the, had- the thing that would have made this really interesting is that if Intel would have actually enabled adaptive sync support like they announced several years ago. Yeah. But they never did it. Because then it would work with Intel. Then it, that would right, open if you things saw up. all your Kaby-like processors. Yeah, and, way yeah, wider. But okay. Then it would yeah. be like a no-brainer yeah. because you probably huh, already have a, that config somewhere. Right? Well, let's talk to all the people at the Intel graphics group. They're pushing <laughs> out drivers more and more. Yeah. I think this hey, is could something. You add, could you add FreeSync so we could use our NVIDIA GPU? <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 too. I mean, hey, we're going to utilize yeah. a feature of Intel graphics. Yeah. So, okay. so I'd no like to try works. this on a notebook. Uh, like an Intel or AMD powered notebook with a MX card in it and just output to a FreeSync monitor and see what happens. Well, G-Sync Mobile already doesn't have a module, so... Right, and and oh. you would still have... I mean, the Intel driver would still have to have Adaptive Sync enabled, yeah. like, to be able to enable Adaptive Sync. So as far as NVIDIA potentially trying to break this moving forward, like, the reason that that they may, might I not can be, see why you say made that why they might not be it, able it, to. It, it seems way yeah. more difficult. It seems like it would need to be a Windows patch yeah, it's rather Windows than a driver yeah. update. Like, Windows is just getting the frame from one GPU and just passing it on the yeah. other one. Right? Now, the other, that being said, there very well could be something NVIDIA could do in the driver that we're missing like to kind of sure. exclude yeah. themselves from that list. But sure. actually seems like a pretty solid foundation for this to work in some form. The world is ending. Forward for oh, a no. while. The world is ending. Indeed. <laughs> so... so what what size resolution screen were we working with here for this? Yeah, twenty five by fourteen. Yeah. Oh, okay, so it's fourteen forty p. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I need to work with anything. Now I would imagine if you were doing this at four k, now realize your frame buffer is significantly larger. It might take longer to copy. Like maybe you know yeah, that's, might, that's what I was getting. More at. latency, you know. Yeah, but at thing. least I mean, we guys didn't do this testing at seven twenty p or something. Yeah. So. Yeah, we tried yeah. to pick like a kind of middle yeah. of the road resolution. Yeah, no, right? that's good. I, I realize that most people are on twenty five by fourteen is still high, right? I mean, it's yeah, yeah. it's between ten eighty p and four k. I get it, but still pretty high. And interestingly enough, it, this happened a couple of days after I started looking for fourteen forty p G sync panels, and I went, "Huh." <laughs> I said, "I don't think I'm going to do it." <laughs> yeah. All right, check that story out. It's on the website if you want a little bit more detail. Uh, also, real quick, we can talk about this. We did a little bit more testing with StoreMI. We actually looked – Alan looked at StoreMI when the X470 chipset launched. Yep. And you really didn't look at StoreMI as much as you were looking at the storage performance of the platform as a whole. And StoreMI was, was a it segment. Was just a piece of it, yeah. It was a segment of that. Yep. So I got to ask this one real quick thing. Oh, yes. <clears throat> They not call it stormy because of the current <laughs> political situation. I bet that's exactly why. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, they they built. I think it's more of a play on sense am I, and they didn't call it sense me. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> that could be two problems. Yeah, sense me, stormy. <laughs> uh, so we did some more testing with store am I. This was actually pretty pretty quick testing. We wanted to see basically AMD's kind of stance was they believe store mi brought them to a 
matching or better level of uh, storage capability that Optane caching does. Optane, mm-hmm. you know, Intel is really leaning into Optane caching, the whole Core Plus idea, all that stuff. Um, and StoreMI is what AMD's answer is to it. Now, to be fair, StoreMI is developed by AMD. It's built by Inmodis, mm-hmm. um, Fuse Drive. You can you run can, it on, uh, yeah. well, there's a retail version you could run on Yeah, Intel. you can buy it and run it on anything, right? Intel, yeah. AMD, whatever. This StoreMI variant, this kind of uh, AMD branded version is specific to their platform. Platforms is free. It's included if you have a mm-hmm. supporting platform, so Threadripper or X470. Uh, it's not a caching system. It's a tiered storage solution, uh, which basically means it's sort of like RAID Zero. It is kind of like that, and it's tiered in the way that, like, hey, you can have two gigs of memory as cache, and then a 256 gig SSD, and then a 10 terabyte hard drive. And mm-hmm. the stuff you use more often will go to the fastest part, right? And yep. that's that's kind of what the idea is. But it is RAID 0 in the fact that it's not duplicating it the content. the fastest part. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's creating a JBOD. It'll I actually think, move, like if you have something on the hard drive, and then you start using it frequently, it will physically move that data. Yeah. To the SSD. So you get the benefit is you get the capacity of both drives combined. Mm-hmm. The downside is if one of those two drives dies, you know, you lose whatever. You, you basically you lose end up with like Swiss cheese. Yeah. Of yeah. The, you know. Yeah. So it is like a rate zero in terms back. of what you should be doing for planning and backing up and all that. Yeah. One interesting thing that they brought up, uh, AMD did, was about the pricing side. And it's an interesting debate to have. Um, their argument is that StoreMI is cheaper than opting because you don't have to buy an opting module there don't say there well (laughs) i mean the the assumption is if you're an enthusiast you're building a system you're going to have an ssd Mm -hmm. and you're going to have a hard drive Mm -hmm. you're just going to have you know a mass storage whether it be you know uh, an eight terabyte or 12 terabyte or the four terabyte a hard drive then you're going to have an ssd that's somewhere between 120 and 500 gigs of space yeah and the idea there is they're saying hey with story my you can use those two components have an accelerated system if you want to accelerate your hard drive which is all you really want to accelerate right you don't need to accelerate even if you have a set of ssd it would be realistic you don't need to accelerate that um <clears throat> with optane or whatever anything if you want to do that, then you have to buy this Optane module. It takes up one of your M.2 ports, mm-hmm. uh, and that's another 60 bucks if you get the 32-gig version, 120 150 bucks and if you, you get the 64 gig version. platform that supports yeah. Optane memory. Yeah, but right? you have to have the X470 new platform from AMD uh, to get yeah, StoreMI, too. So they're basically saying, hey, for you know, 60 to 120 bucks less – you get similar functionality. And that's a, you know, all else being equal, processor, same price, motherboard, same price, yeah. memory, same price. You're kind of assuming they already have – Another SSD to throw at it, I guess. No. No? No, I mean, the assumption is you're building a system. You either have a 250-gig SSD or you're going to buy one mm. or some some variant thereof, yeah. right? Yeah. So, And I think that's a fair assumption. I think if we were building systems for ourselves, you excluded, uh, or we were building systems for a you know, a friend or a colleague, you probably mm-hmm. wouldn't say, hey, go get a four terabyte SSD. <laughs> You'd probably say, get a four terabyte hard drive and a 256-gig SSD. Sure. Right. Um, so the cost question is there. And then in terms of performance, um, what we did is we looked at the uh, store MI with an 860 Evo. So actually an M.2 SATA SSD. Mm-hmm. And then the Intel platform we used Optane. Was it the 64 gig module we were yeah. using? Yeah. For, for its caching. The M10 module. Yeah. I, I, I always forget that that has a model. It's just the newer, it's it a now. newer version of, because they also make M10 in 32 and 16s. Yeah. It's just a newer Optane memory module that has the power management. Okay. So. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. So if you look at some of the some of our testing, like PC Mark 10, you'll see 
Uh, both platforms get speed ups from the hard drive only to the cached version or the tiered version. The Intel platforms tend to start out at a higher performance. And as a result, the cached performance also tends to be higher. And you see that in PC Mark 10. You see that in SysMark as well. Um, because when StormEye is trying to do the caching, realize it's trying to also load the thing and at the same time move the data. You think it's moving the data at the same time? I think it does some of that during okay. the initial run. Like it's in, oh, this might... So it's putting this, a little bit more load on the system. Yeah, it just has to do more stuff. That, right? okay. so, so the first run might be slower, right? Oh, but, yes. Yeah, we but, do see that but, in some of but our But generally, tests. you also see that the, the percent gain is higher. Even though the store of my beginning and end result might end up being lower than the Intel beginning and end result yeah. overall, the percent gains higher because the first run kind Got of gets it. held held back a little bit. Oh, right? sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the, those give you some the productivity-based testing. There is basically the caching is working, right? Like the, the, yeah, the, it, it the, the software goes faster. Your computer goes faster when you use it. Yep. Uh, Ken did some Lightroom CC imports, right? This didn't – so this is more testing the right caching. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're going to do a bunch of writes to to this combined cached tiered storage unit, is it accelerated? Yeah. Uh, because rather you would much rather write to an SSD than you would to a hard drive. But now then it has to do something with that storage after that. You know, Lightroom didn't see a dramatic improvement either way. The Intel one, again, saw a better improvement than the AMD Store MI. Uh, but then if you look at something like this is – Digital content archiving, which is aka file copy mm-hmm. from, you know, you, you're working on it on your external drive or on your main drive and you're, and you're copying it to the secondary hard drive or accelerated. Yeah. Other way around. Or you're working on it on, a, on fast storage. Yeah, you're copying, you're copying it to, it to the cached oh, okay. or tiered yeah. Okay. platform. Yeah, sorry. Um, you know, you get dramatic improvements in what the write speed is. So this is what, a 50 gig, 50 gigs of video or is it one file or is it it's pictures? It's a 50 gig project folder okay. mostly video but you know some small files it was a premiere project for a video we did got it mm-hmm. and so obviously that's it's again a little bit faster on intel but in general much much faster on both and then what's interesting is is that we assume in both of these situations that that data well on the amd side store we probably think it keeps it on the ssd until some amount of time passes until and you don't some, access some it, and then it would copy it, it yeah, to the hard drive you know, in the background. Yeah. Uh, with the Optane caching, we probably think it's going straight to the – I mean, it is definitely – it's going to the Optane, and then it's copying it directly to the hard drive. Mm-hmm. It might not be copying – well. It has to because the, the Optane it, it one is – It probably keeps some on the Optane. It might, but it's it's making a duplicate copy on the hard drive. Yeah. If, like if it's not going to keep all of the big video so, files on the Optane. So Optane, the, the remember, that's – additive like it's an addition to the hard drive and it's able to cache incoming because it's non-volatile right that's the only reason intel lets that fly right but the idea is that as soon as there's any idle period it's, or, and it's it's, it's, it's immediately copying. copied and duplicated yeah. over to the hard disk because they never want to you know you should intel's system should always be able to like unhook the optane without yeah. having to move a bunch of stuff right it's usually a, a generally like a, a relatively fast process when you disable it in software when you disable yeah, it in software yeah, if you wanted to unpair them uh store my not so much like i don't know if you wrote it in the article ken but there was what was the you were waiting you were trying to undo the store oh, we were at trying one to point, undo it and it was like yeah i think ryan mentioned that yeah yeah it was like, it was take a, long like a really time. long time i mean you could be copying hundreds of gigs at this in yeah. this case yeah potentially you could have a 200 gig ssd 
fall. Which you then need to copy to your slow hard drive. <laughs> Again, <laughs> right. disabling Storymy is not something you're going to want to do all the time. Uh, right? Yeah, or that you should do. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, the other thing, I mean, and probably the, the, the use case that AMD leans into the most of Storymy is accelerating things like game launches, application launches. And here you see these huge gains, right? Now, this is where, where uh, Alan pointed out the hard drive only is actually faster than the first time you ran it mm-hmm. yeah. when we had the cache enabled. And that's because it's doing that duplicate work. Yeah. It's doing the extra work in the background. But when we closed it, let it sit, rebooted the machine, and went back and started again, it went from that 83 seconds down to 21 seconds. Yeah. Which is significant. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. And, it, and it's even, you know, if you count the 54 to 21 drop, that's still big. Then yeah. if you look at the Intel side, you get a similar thing. Where it's the second run that gets the majority, right. get the the most the most speed up. But from it does, the cache but start. it does at least go. Like in my experience, the Intel solution will always go at worst the hard disk yes. speed the first time. Yeah, makes right. sense because of the way it's it's a cache versus the yeah. tier. It's just it's just and duplicating it's, yeah. it. It's not moving blocks around yeah. and trying to launch it at the same time. Similar right? story here with GTA Five uh, in, in the launching story mode in there, which is something that does take for freaking ever. Uh, again, big speed ups on both platforms. You get the little intricacy of the first one being uh, longer on the on the store in my solution, but yeah. overall pretty good. And then one last final data point: we happen to run uh, Sysmark, which is one of our productivity tests that we utilize. We just did like five iterations of it. And what we noticed was the the score on the eighty seven hundred K with Optane varied a lot, and that's yeah. not something we'd ever seen in any of our standard non cached testing. Whereas on this store MI. It was, you know, as flat a line as you can get in uh, in this kind of, you know, multi-hour yeah. uh, test before. I added a note in there, even in the article, because I'm I'm not like we've done similar tests before. I don't know what was different about it this time that made it bounce around that much. But like we've, you know, I don't know if we've ever done five consecutive. I've never done five but in, I, but in I, Sysmark with with that. We've previously done like three, octane. like three in a row. Usually, like when I was doing other testing before, it was usually just three in a row. But I've never seen it do anything other than climb Yeah, during those three, like every single time. So right? it's interesting because one of the advantages, uh, on paper at least, that StoryMI has is that you can you have a cache up to 250 gigs mm-hmm. as opposed to the limit is uh, 64 gigs for Optane. Yep. Now, I, I want to point out, like, we tried for a little bit, honestly, not tremendously hard to try to figure out how to break Optane caching, like make it so that 64 gigs was, wasn't was enough to do something right. accelerated. It's very and, hard. And it was, it's hard to do. It's a very intelligent caching system. Yeah. But like mentally, theoretically, mm-hmm. from a scientific, <laughs> if I were writing a, a paper on this or, or, or you would just doing ass- my dissertation. You would assume that there m- has, more is better. You would, there has to be a point where having four times as much cache – means that you can accelerate four times as much stuff than right. 64 gigs. And I think for that to happen, StoreMI would have to be as intelligent about the caching as yeah. Intel is. Yeah. You have to realize Intel's been doing this for like a decade now. Sure. Right? But I think Inmodus has been doing it for a while too. I, I don't know. but yeah. um, So, I mean, that's, that's kind of our, our, our takeaway from this is that uh, they're just different enough, mm-hmm. StoreMI and Optane Caching, that... It's not a true like apples to apples comparison, but uh, if AMD's goal was to create a storage ecosystem that provided the same level of performance and had some advantages in terms of cost or some advantages in terms of capacity, they've definitely done it. It's something that if you're building a new Ryzen system, you should look at. Keep yeah. in mind that the the only uh, the, the or the biggest 
drawback to StoreMI is that it is difficult to undo. Yes. Right. So if you use this system and you just use it, then whatever, it's fine. It's going to be great. But like to disable it and say, oh, I don't want to go back to just this. Keep in mind that you're, you know, files are going to be in all different kinds of places. And even if the, you know, the undo thing works correctly and you go back to, it copies everything back to your SSD. I don't think we saw some weird partitions on your drive. You have to to disk part of drive before you clean it before you. The undo as far as move your data back to the places where it was supposed to go and separate the two drives, that works. Yeah. The problem is that those two drives, you can't just move them to a non-store my machine. If you put them in, right, you can leave them in there and and utilize. They'll them still be separately. seen. Like once you have created a store my array on whatever that whatever those storage devices are, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it manipulates the, the EFI partitions in such a way that if you move them to a system that doesn't have store my on it, uh, it just the, the system will not be able to even recognize the partitions right on the disk. Yeah. Uh, the data might still be there. It's just you're just not going to get it. Right. You're just yeah. not going to see anything. If, if you if one of your drives in store MI dies and you don't have a backup, you are hosed. Basically, yeah. you're not getting that data back. Yeah, yeah. and, and nothing again, will recognize it. You won't be able to just like your Rate system. Zero. It's just like JBOD. You're not getting. You're it, not yeah. recovering. It's that. actually a little bit worse, even from a data recovery standpoint, because it's block level. I believe it's like four meg or two meg or something like that blocks. That store my is manipulating. It's mm-hmm. block level caching, not file level. But it's like it's like almost randomly positioned block level because over time it's going to be like, oh, I want to write to the hard disk. Well, even though that hard disk might have initially had everything all in a row, mm-hmm. over time it's all going to get juggled around at the block level because store my is uh, arranging those blocks at will, right? So a block, you know, an area that you might have thought was the end of the disk as far as the OS was concerned mm-hmm. could very well be a block at the beginning of the disk, right? Right. So even if you tried to do uh, data recovery and go, well, I can't see the partition layout, sure, but I know my files are there, and I'll use you know some handy software that'll image the disk and go through and find my files, they w- they'll still be Swiss cheesed because the blocks yep. will not be in the right order. Got and it. I don't know of any data recovery software that can decipher the block, you know, the t- block table that's stored by mm. StoreMI. Right, it's going to be this very proprietary kind of thing that I, you know, I'm just I don't think there's any way to get back. Right, you'd have to somehow fix the thing right. so that it looked like it did originally to store my, and then plug it back into a store my driver installed system and pray. Basically, that's yeah. how you're going to get your data back. Back um, up your systems. Yes. Back up back all up. your data, like we all like we always tell you to do. This is basically this is go. riskier than RAID zero. Is what I would consider it. Mm. I don't think anybody that has a hard drive die in RAID zero expects to get their data back. If you want to call it black and white like that, then sure, it's equal. Yeah, I don't. But I like, don't think you're, but like you're, you're you're reducing possibilities of data recovery. I don't think anybody who has RAID zero JBoss is going to get their data back. <laughs> like yeah. that's an unreasonable expectation for a consumer non-enterprise application. That's true. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next story. Samsung portable SSD X5. This is a uh, it's an external Thunderbolt. SSD. What's the what's the quickie on this? We're we're running long. Uh it's a fast drive. Uh it goes, you know, up, right. upward almost three gig per second. <laughs> Looks like a spaceship. Uh yeah. I it's, yeah, good it, story, it, Alan. Strong work. High five. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of bulky given what's in there, right? Because it's just an M.2 SSD that's in there and they put it in a plastic housing. It's not really like you it's know, kind of seen... like a automotive piece. But it's swatch. it's kind of curved. 
for, yeah, it does look like one of those automotive here, paint swatches. There you go. There's pleasure. Um, Not you know, really. It's a cool looking drive. <laughs> it's just instead of instead of making it a heatsink style enclosure, which what's the name of another drive, Ken? That the the tech. TechQ Rapid. Yeah, TechQ Rapid. The, the, yeah, the Thunderbolt uh, drive we've tested recently. Yeah, yeah. Other, other makers have of devices similar to this have just made a, the, the housing is the heat sink, right? It's got ridges sure. in it and stuff like that. And uh, it's made out of aluminum on the outside. Well, Samsung, for whatever reason, wanted plastic, even though their previous like uh, T5 orange. was an aluminum housing. Yeah. They moved to a full plastic housing, which kind of insulates the heat transfer. Mm-hmm. So they put a big old block of, I think, magnesium on the right side there in that picture, that's like the whole half of the shell uh, is just filled with this block. Such a weird design. Yeah, it's filled with this block of metal that's supposed to act as a heat sink, but it's not really a sink. Because Because of the plastic outer shell. There's there's an insulating outer shell, right? So it's, it's more just like a thermal mass... Right, it just, it's making it a bigger mat piece. It, yeah, you know, so if you do, I mean, so if you do, um, I I was able to, you know, I was able to do um, over five minutes, like max full speed, doing like a okay. couple of gig per That's second fine, writes. Man. That's fine, you know. But then you'll eventually hit a brick wall where the the thing starts to thermal throttle because there's nowhere for the heat to go. It's a little right? odd that the PCB is so large and there's all this empty space and yeah, it, yeah, you know, it's only. These SSDs only produce about five or six watts when they're fully active. Right. So that's not a lot of power, but again, it needs somewhere for the heat to go. Um, and then well, you need a chance of being able to find it in your bag occasionally. Uh, yeah. Does the Thunderbolt controller make contact with the heatsink heat sink, pad? Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because that's, that's drawing more power than the SSD. I think so. Yeah. You know, and if you go fast enough with the magnesium shell... Oh. Uh, that will spark really nicely, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's going to burn and a really bright. And you'll find I it in any bag thermite. you put it in. Yeah, any um, bag. So <laughs> it doesn't matter how dark it is. So I kind of changed gears on this one, and I ran our regular suite on all of these externals. Okay. Uh, back when I first designed that suite, the whole build <clears throat> was so that it could be run on something that was a generic volume, and this is the first time we're actually like using it. Got in that it. way, right? Um, I mean, we could even point it up like a NAS if we wanted to. Don't do that. Um, yeah, it might not be good for the <laughs> NAS. Um, so, end result, I, and I, I've left a break there in the chart. The na na. Yeah, the na na. Uh, those bottom two entries are na na na. Bottom two entries are natively like you know a, a nine seventy or an eight sixty, just direct attached to your system. Um, and you can tell, like, the X5 is getting pretty darn close, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Uh, for an external, uh, it's surprisingly close. Um, the rights, for the random rights weren't as good. You were just there mm-hmm. on the other chart. The random rights, which is the orange bars, uh, weren't as good as a native uh, drive. But if you look at the blue bars there, which is your random read speeds, which you're probably more concerned about, uh, pretty close. You know, uh, like 20K to 22K difference there um and then mixed burst uh test which you know you could consider kind of a heavier workload you got some rights going on in the background and you're doing burst reads again pretty good result hmm. um and compared to anything else that's an external you're talking like at least 2x and yeah. we were con- we were comparing against uh usb 3.1 gen 2 you know 10 gigabit usb devices uh even that had a pair of sata ssds and a raid and it was still just walking all over them um so 
really good. Uh, if you scroll down a little more, we did a cache test. Um, the newer version of the one more newer version of the cache test. Uh, I ran this not so much to test the cache because we already knew the cache was going to be similar to a 970 Evo because that's basically the, the product that's inside this. Uh, and, and it was. Um, I was looking more for the newer version of this cache test that we've run for like about a month now. Uh, does a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. And I was worried about the thermals, right? It, it, oh, sure. You know, it, it's uh, the duty cycle. You did about 60 gigs of writing eight times. Yeah, eight times. Uh, granted, at the beginning, there were some three seconds. There were lar- relatively seconds, large idle times between those 60 second bursts. But as you get towards the middle of that test, you know, you're only six ca- seconds, three seconds. Yeah, six seconds, three seconds. Um, you know, between three passes in a row, each one writing like 60 or 70 gig with only like a few seconds of breathing room in there. Yeah. And it still didn't throttle. So, uh, I was looking at some of the other reviews on other sites. Um, they did similar kinds of tests, I and mean, they were doing like higher Q depth writing, and maybe that loaded it a little bit more and heated up a little bit more. I'm not sure. Um, maybe their room was just warmer. I mean, you know, it's 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 a funny thing you have when you have an insulator like that. I mean, even the thing that it's sitting on matters, right? Right, because you know, from plastic to air, it's not really going to conduct heat away and wick heat away but if you just had it sitting on say like a glass table it would run cooler than if it was just sitting on a wood table as an example got it right like because you're just relying on passive heat transfer out of of the shell so that very much matters so i would say don't use it with it like sitting on the blanket of your bed and just be beating the crap out of it it's probably gonna throttle right like yeah Anyway, so um, the you said potential issues. There's a Thunderbolt thing. There's no backwards compatibility on this drive, which some people might. Yeah, so people worry that about. are used to using USB external devices that have USB Type C ports on them, well, Thunderbolt uses the same physical port, but it's communicating differently, right? Um, so if you plug it, I mean, you're free to try to plug it into a USB 3.1 port, but it's just going to throw up this warning, and this particular controller is not able to just change gears and start speaking or uh, start translating the USB UASP protocol over to NVMe. Yeah. It's just not a thing. That's, that's, a, that's a thing yet. Right. Um, there's the, what's that other something Ridge controller, Ken Titan, Titan Ridge. So Alpine Ridge is only Thunderbolt. Doesn't even really speak USB other than just to tell you, Hey, it's no, yeah, it, no, this no, it has work. native USB 3.1 in it. It does? Yeah. Alpine Thunderbolt. Ridge? Yeah. It's a Thunderbolt 3 controller. It has power, USB 3, and Thunderbolt. So then what was different about the the other one? Well, the, the other one allows, like, it, it, in Alpine Ridge, it's just lanes of USB 3. Yeah. Titan Ridge will sort of, Titan Ridge is meant for, the primary application they've talked about is docks. So if you have a USB 3.1 port on your computer that supports power delivery, USB, and display port, then a dock with a Titan Ridge controller in it could fall back yes. and use those capabilities via the USB port. But what we don't know is if Titan Ridge can also translate to NVMe. Yeah. That's, that's the big the question. Big question. So it. even with a Titan Ridge chip in there, it might not be any different. Okay. Right? Because that's, that's more than just a generic interface thing like you have to talk the other protocol to the device on the other side of the chip right which um, actually actually brings up one of the more interesting things we kind of stuck in this article is 
days ago we got I, the adapter I imported from China, which is a USB 3.1 to M.2 PCIe adapter. Yep. For like 25 bucks from China. So yeah, JMicron controller. Yeah, JMicron controller in there. And it was, and it turned out to be, uh, we weren't even sure what generation USB it was because it didn't even, it just said 3.1. <laughs> it turned out it was actually Gen 2. So it was going, you know, full 10, 10 gigabit, gigabit. Uh, to a NVMe device on the other side of it. Did reasonably well and, and this was a j micron device yeah it was exactly. just a j micron control like uh interface adapter yeah but still it didn't it didn't yeah. cause pauses no 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 there was no stuttering <laughs> uh none of that just can't let anything go josh <laughs> no i can't well I have a long, you know, so long what, what's it what's it gonna cost me uh they're expensive they're like 70 cents a gig Ooh. um now i will say i mean they're kind of in this thing where, I mean, that's the fastest game in town for an external. What? what? By a lot. So yeah. you kind of... Too much money. You know, so the combination of it's a lot of money uh, relatively to anything else that's an external. <sighs> yeah. Uh, even that's Ken's, about as far from 10 cents a gig as you can possibly <laughs> yeah, yeah, get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you take you take this versus like Ken's $25 adapter, and then when you can finally find one, like a cheap 660p or something, right? Like that would make... A pretty good external. Yeah, that adapter plus a six, uh, a one terabyte, one terabyte or six sixty p for two hundred bucks. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that would be that would be two hundred and twenty five dollars potentially compared to fourteen hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, no, well, seven hundred bucks for the one terabyte. That's what I was looking at. Oh, you were comparing the one terabyte. One terabyte for two hundred bucks. Oh, okay. Yeah, four hundred and twenty five compared to. And the Chinese uh, adapter is smaller. <laughs> that's true too. And it's a narrower <laughs> thing. It's a little bit longer, but it's. Narrower, so yeah, the pricing's kind of odd, but I get it, right? Like they can get I away mean, with those pretty. prices because you just you just can't mm-hmm. get that performance in anything else. Um, and the other thing is that whole compatibility issue, right? You can only plug this into Thunderbolt three machines. Like right. you can't even. I mean, just to do the testing, we had to put that Thunderbolt DX three. Asus card on a desktop machine because desktop machines typically don't have Thunderbolt 3 native. You're just supposed to have a Mac. I guess. And it will <laughs> just plug into a Mac. That's fine. Oh, that explains the price. Um, yeah. Look, all Thunderbolt accessories are expensive, to be fair. This is true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, that's just part of the unfortunate. It's just unfortunate. Yeah. It's just that it kind of has a double whammy going for it. If it was backwards compatible. Yeah, that might help it. Yeah, no, I agree. Right. It definitely would. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I carry around the tech Q, tech Q Rapide in my bag to <laughs> use every once in a while. Pull it out oh yeah, too. and I mean, you can plug that, in. and it's annoying because I go, ow. <laughs> you can plug that in all the way down to like USB one. It will yeah. still transfer. No, I'm talking about the Thunderbolt three one. The Rapide. Yeah, what's the Thunderbolt three one? Oh, that's also yeah. You, yeah. you can plug that into thirteen ninety four B. That one doesn't go to USB? <laughs> no, it's Thunderbolt 3. Uh, okay. okay, so that one's also... Uh, never mind. Mm. I got my parts back. Is, is that a Scirocco shirt, shirt you got on, Alan? Yes, mine is. Yes. No. See Scirocco. You see the Scirocco one? The Mark, Mark 1 yeah. Scirocco. It's kind of more egg to hell. Is a Mark 1 Scirocco Did you really go just all the way to Scirocco? Germany to buy that? No, they made a Mark 2 Scirocco. Yeah, I know, but isn't the first one just the thing? It's like going back and retroactively making it episode six. They made a Mark II Scirocco, which was a different body external style, but still an A1 frame. 
So they didn't actually update the you car. Know what? You know what? They just made it look you know what? what? What have you done, Ryan? I didn't. Come I didn't, on. I didn't, yeah, I didn't, you don't I didn't, I didn't care. Sorry. Let's move on. I like uh, check out the cars. review of the Samsung Portable SSD X5. <laughs> it's on the website. Uh, let's get into some news items. Ken, let's throw through this fast. Intel announces new 8th generation mobile processors. This is probably, what, the third, fourth launch of 8th generation mobile processors thus far? The third. Okay. okay. Yeah. Started with the so 15 many? watt parts, had the 45 watt parts and the Iris Pro parts, and now we have more 15 watt parts and the 5 watt parts. And a partridge in a pear tree. Let's make this quick. 15 watt parts, the nothing besides Whiskey higher Lake boost U. clocks, okay. up to 600 megahertz, which is you know a pretty healthy boost clock if your chassis, your notebook chassis, will actually dissipate that much heat and yeah. boost clocks up. No, nothing there on the CPU side, really. That's that's it. Just kind of tweaked frequencies. Amber Lake Y is more interesting because it's actually it's moving sort of micro architectures from the previous Core M parts for Cabby Lake, and these are I don't know whatever the hell we're in Cabby Lake refresh ish <laughs> Whiskey the, Lake, the fourth yeah. step of the waltz. The fifth it's, step it's, it's a square dance at this point, work. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah can. square dance. Hey, Ken. Yeah. I think these will be the processors in the new MacBook. <laughs> I, th- I think these might be the new processors in the MacBook. Uh, uh, I read that somewhere. Yeah. I, so, I mean, just, again, frequencies. Yeah. Improved frequencies. You're not going to see any IPC improvements because, you know, it's heavy <sighs> lake to amber lake. Like, Fair. Whatever. The same thing on the on the Y series down there. Yeah, uh, still two core, four thread parts. Hugh, I mean, the ranges in these clock speeds are getting ridiculous. One point five to four point two gigahertz. Yeah, Jesus. boosting to four point two in a five watt part is kind of insane. Yeah, can I hold that for like three, four milliseconds? Like, yeah, I mean two or three full seconds. I mean, these oh. are usually passive machines, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would if you ever saw four gigahertz, I'd be amazed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the kind of bigger news around this is they're talking about connectivity. They're talking about built-in, quote-unquote, gigabit Wi-Fi, which <laughs> is what Intel has been referring to as wireless AC dual bands, 2 by 2 160 megahertz, which you have to have 160 megahertz support on your router, which is still a very I, new I will, thing. As much as I'm annoyed by the term gigabit Wi-Fi, I will say that it's easier to say than AC 2 by 2 160 megahertz. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a needed marketing <laughs> yeah, term, I think. to Gigabit Ethernet implementation 2.38. <laughs> well, I mean, it's clearly like, hey, Qualcomm talked about Gigabit LTE for yeah. a long time. Like, yeah. yeah, we got Gigabit Wireless, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. It's Wi-Fi. For, yeah, for, for five feet from the router. <laughs> but it's Gigabit. <laughs> and speaking of LTE... Uh, they were quick to point out that all of these, the Amber Lake and Whiskey Lake, can be paired with Intel LTE modems to kind of have platforms pre-built for that sort of thing. Okay. Right. And if you want to shove LTE into one of these machines. Yeah. Because they have to answer to Qualcomm now in that area. Right. Uh, and then kind of the last big thing is integrated USB 3.1 Gen 2, 10 gigabits per second on the chipset. Which Sweet. will be nice. One less third-party controller in your notebook kind of. Save some space. I believe uh, I saw some Twitter hubbub as well about uh, uh, Spectrum meltdown be stuff. Yeah, uh, that's all I've seen. Still not finalized. I think the last thing I saw was what is it supposed? Either to be? meltdown was fixed in hardware, but uh, Spectre was still one of the Spectre variants or vice wasn't. Versa. I think, or one of the generations of Spectre. I, How yeah. about this? Is I can't. It, I can't speak to any of is that. Is it the one that impacts the performance? It. Is really all I care about. Not yes. yet. No. Okay. So then who cares, honestly? Well, 
Well, I, I mean, know. security is nice. I, I no, care. I understand. But if it doesn't impact the performance, then it's already fixed in on the OS side anyway for the time being. So whatever, mm-hmm. right? Until they fix the one that gives you the performance back. Well, considering they keep finding the well, speculative execution vulnerabilities, fixing something in hardware might help them down the line. Well, and also, <laughs> like, I mean, foreshadow was just this week for crying out loud. You yep. assume that the hardware fix will improve performance. It should. It might not, right? If they have to get rid of, if they still have to get rid of the speculative execution portion completely, yeah, yeah, even in hardware, like the the harshness. I think of, it'd help mitigate the slowdown a bit. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think it's going to be, you know, one for one if it did have that vulnerability Cause, still cause, existing. Yeah, because right now you're like flushing caches and pipelines and stuff between like mm-hmm. during contact switches. Yeah. And it, that's pretty horrendous from an acceleration standpoint. Right? Uh, we're still trying to figure out and finalize that information. Obviously, Intel's not super keen on uh, <laughs> talking it up. Yeah. Uh, you also posted something here, Ken, about Dell and their kind of IFA announcements. They had a whole bunch of stuff, but the one that stood out maybe was the XPS 13 changes. Yeah, well, I just noticed my uh, title issue here, the X-13 2-in-2. Ooh, the 2-in-2. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering what that was. You didn't know about this new form factor? You didn't, like, two two. talk, ask like, across the office? You didn't You didn't say something out loud mm-hmm. to Ken while you were sitting there? Hey, what's a 2-in-2? Two two? No, I, was, I noticed when I was reading it, like, oh. five minutes ago. Oh, well. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so it's a 2 How come one. nobody's branded this TNT? I don't know. Because it's not really a 2 and yeah, 2. Yeah, because it's not 2 and 2 isn't a thing. Yeah, Ken screwed yeah. it up. TNT. It's fine. It's TNT. It's dynamite. So are these basically Dell machines using the Whiskey Lake, Amber Lake parts? The new Amber Lake parts. Oh, okay. Because this yeah. is the 13 2 and 1, so it's yeah. the, the new low power stuff. As far as I can tell, no major changes in the chassis or anything, but you should see higher in, increased performance and probably a little bit of higher battery life from these new processors. Uh, and then they also announced a new lower end tier of XPS 13 using mm. the dual core 8130U, uh, 4 gigs of RAM, 128 gig SSD. The 1080p display starts at 899. Is the 8130U the 10 nanometer part? No. What's the, I can't remember the name, the model number of the. I can never remember that one. Thing. But no, because if it was the 10 nanometer part, it would also need a discrete GPU. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, that's a good point. And then lastly, they announced that the Del- developer edition XPS machines are shipping with Ubuntu 18.04. So the latest release, which is nice to see. Get your Dell laptops. Yep. Yeah. You know, if you want to. Uh, Jeremy Acer showing off their stuff at uh, IFA as well. They had, oh, yeah. they had a, quite, a, quite a range of things. What are the ones that stand out? I, well, I mean, you've got their new Predator and uh, what's the other one called? Uh, Nitro. Nitro. Yes, thank you. The Predator and the Nitro. So the Predator is the G-Sync flavor. The Nitro is the free or yeah, is the free sync version. I think I love both, these. Uh, what do you call those things hood. along the sides? The hood. Yeah, I think oh. I think that's it's, cool. It's part of Acer Vision Care. Oh. Vision so it reduces care. eye strain. Oh. Really? Yeah. It also keeps oh. your neighbors from cheating off of you on the test. Mm. Also true. Yeah. Or, you know, knowing where you are when you're gaming. <laughs> Helps you do that color grading on your gaming monitor. Yeah. So you've got uh, 144 hertz top refresh rate on what, and these monitors top out at 4K. Of course, you're not going to be able to do both at once yet. And I... One thing that was pointed out is, well, they are HDR monitors. They're using the Display HDR 400 standard, yeah, which yeah. 
barely qualifies as HDR in that at least it's not standard. I mean, you get the but color perfect. accuracy stuff out of the display HDR standard, yeah. but yeah, the brightness. You're, it's yeah, you get more not, color, you yeah, just don't get the yeah, you're more not be able uh, to difference. Yeah, and so they just have the one Predator model. Uh, the Nitro actually comes with uh, this 4K we're looking at, a 1440p widescreen and an IPS, and a TN one as well. In case you, you prefer the uh, benefits of the twisted pneumatic or pneumatic. Hmm. Interesting. Next up is uh, the Swift 5, which goes perfectly with uh, Al's uh, portable SSD X5 because the body is made out of a magnesium lithium alloy. Oh, great. So just scrape it along and see what happens. Wait a minute. Wasn't that that super light laptop? Wasn't that a it is. magnesium lithium the, alloy? The, uh, the Lenovo uh, NEC yeah, thing? NEC, yeah. yeah. The so these guys did the same thing but went uh. lighter. 990 grams, 2.2 pounds, or as I say, less than the weight of most heat sinks nowadays for your processor. That's lighter than the Lenovo one? What processor does it use? Uh, It's an 8665U. Oh, newly announced. Yeah, Yeah, strangely enough. (laughs) Uh, The Aspire series got updated. Uh, The 7s are neat. They got the 8075G or 8305G, so you've got the RX Vega in there. Yeah. Which is interesting. You know what the best uh, part of that laptop is? Hmm? Which it part? can achieve 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit. Just not on your lap, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> we Although, love you know, magnesium alloys with lithium. That's not... No, know. it's not a problem. No. What, what could I'm not throwing my notebook wrong. into a fire. Yeah, I don't think we have... No, no, all you need to do is, is just... Get one corner to scrape on something and ignite. Yes, I'm exactly. I'm sure that's exactly think, how it works. Josh. I, think you, I think you might need some. <laughs> oh, I dropped my notebook. Oh Actually, my. It, it is. Yeah, that stuff lights off hard. Yes, I'm sure they didn't yep. think about that at all in this compound. <laughs> my experience with magnesium it. strips is it's you have to have Samsung something very hot for to Christ light sake. it. Yep. I would think dropping. Yeah, it in but the once you do. All right. What else? Fantastic. I want to get to this thing at the bottom. Keep going. Oh, sorry. Quickly, so uh, the Aspire comes with fives. They have the Amber Lake Y or Whiskey Lake U paired with an MX-150. Okay. And the Aspire 3 is down around $500. Hmm. And it'll just come with uh, one of the Amber Lake or Whiskeys and something tiny to run its uh, That's graphics. a pretty monitor. Yeah, no, that's an all-in-one. That's a Z24. So it's 24-inch, 1080p screen, 10-point touch screen. Same sort of a thing with a whiskey like you and a GeForce MX uh, 150 hidden behind it. It's also got support for up to 32 gigs of Optane if you really you want to play with it. And it comes with a remote control and is more or less uh, set up at the factory to be usable from around four meters away. So it functions more as a, a, TV, a fancy TV or hmm. you know a shared machine than something you slap on your desktop to not take up much space. Okay. They went with the Mixed reality headset trend. So the Ojo sure. 500, uh, the two screens in the front uh, will offer a 100-degree field of view at 2880 by 1440 with up to a 90 hertz refresh rate, which is, you know, up there where you'd want to be. Uh, as you can see, they went with the more of the speaker design as opposed to the in-ear headset. So the, the idea being that this is sort of mixed reality. It's got cameras on the front, so you can use it as a... a an enhanced reality thing, or it is fully Steam compatible if you want to play with it. 
And then there's the thing that Ryan just can't this stop This is a looking. VR headset I want. You know, you know, <laughs> it, it is a headset. It's yeah. just for your entire body. When you look at this picture without scale initially, you think that's just... I it does, kind of like it does look like something that wraps around your head and, yeah, like and that's, that's... sitting on a nice mount. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the stand I for I think it. I saw this in the Cyberpunk 2077 demo. <laughs> this what is the, the Ronos. Yes, oh, it is called that's, the that's Thronos. That's where I hide from my wife and children. <laughs> yeah, in the title, everything. Dad's on the Thronos. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> the porcelain Thronos. that the thing Darth Vader comes out of? Like, yes. It does? Yeah, yeah. It's Darth Vader's toilet. Yeah. So this so is... You, uh, th- they're never going to sell this, right? Like, oh, well, you know, someone's going to freaking buy the damn thing. Wait, wait. So, so they say it's a desktop PC. No, it is the freaking desk. Like, well, it's another all-in-one. I'll put it that way. So that's <laughs> all-in-one, all right. I want this. I, I want this. Three, uh, this, our, this is a, a grandma's boy style setup. Yeah. Right. Slide in. Hopefully, you can push the whole thing up. The monitors. I don't know how you get in and out of it. Maybe you just slide in and then the side. Out. Uh, there's a hose. <laughs> you don't actually have to leave. You don't get out of this thing. Okay. okay. <laughs> what is the point of the giant base underneath the chair, though? Do That's you, what you I'm want to see that thing when it tips over. They've uh, sort of done some demographics on the size of person that's going to be sitting in here. Maybe. <laughs> wow. Going to make the seat bigger. Uh, so, so are the colors RGB compatible, or is it just? Oh God, that's yes. what I want to know. Oh God, I, I hope so. so. Well, there's not a chance they ever sell this product. There's no you know, chance. All you, need, all you need is a relatively small air compressor and a little, uh, you know, um, put kind of thing around the bottom, and you can have a floating chair. I mean, like 25 pounds per square inch, and, and you're going to be sliding all over your house. <laughs> Like, what's the hell? This to be a hover chair. <laughs> I mean, you're, Come on, you, you got to all... expand your doorways throughout the house or have an yeah. open concept. So next time, I can just see it now. It. I go over to Ryan's place. I ring his doorbell, and like he comes to the door, and it's just Ryan reaching his hand out of this thing. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Oh, hey, hey, come on in, Alan. Bump. It just like takes off. I, I like back. how Josh doesn't think to put wheels on it. He thinks to make it into a fucking <laughs> hover chair, mate. Hover chair. <laughs> You got to put tank style treads on either oh, side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan's out there mowing his lawn while he's doing oh, a racing shit. game. Right? That, that's what the deck is. Is it John Deere compatible? <laughs> Can we work? Make that oh, work? That's a good idea. No, too it's much DRM. It's got a power take up, but you don't know want to know what oh, for. Man. Oh man! They, they didn't have any more details on this thing. How much it was supposed to cost, or when I was going to be able to buy it, or anything like that. That's bullshit. Oh, uh, let me check. I don't, don't, you don't think you know so. Much. The chat's the chat's got it right. This is like the. The the 2000s version of the chairs from Wally, getting closer that, that all the fat people yeah, were floating around in. Yeah. yeah, I like the Tron stripe along the top. Yeah, it does look cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could definitely have this in a room that I let no people ever see ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what do you do for a living, Ryan? Let me cut down to the basement. Let me show you. <laughs> I'm going to show you come back up. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Got to put some pedals on it, though. Keep that, you know, act- activity going. All right. Uh, moving on. Thank you for that, Jerry. Oh, no, not yet. No. Oh, okay. Oh, what? what? Oh, damn it. They didn't list a price. I'm, <laughs> I'm so surprised. Oh, wait. Shock. Wait. If you have to ask. Yeah. No, they, they don't have a price. No, there's no price in the PR. All right. No. Much disappoint. Moving on. Joint Battlefield 5 open beta, GeForce drivers, 399.07. 
These are Wickle drivers that we're so are, close to four hundred for the Battlefield Five uh, beta, and starts on September fourth, I think it is. Yeah, not a coincidence. Probably the four hundred will start with the two twenty, the twenty series parts, yeah. twenty eighty, twenty eighty Ti, whenever those actually decide to launch. I mean, I guess you think they're going to launch CUDA ten along with RTX? They've already launched CUDA ten with the Quadros. Have they? Yeah, yeah. the SDKs out. Oh well, never mind. <laughs> I think yes, then. That's my I think, prediction. Yeah, yeah they're going to launch it. They should have called it CUDA X. You moron. CUDA X. Yeah. And then you can start naming it after mountains, too. Um, so get that driver out if you need it. I, I, hopefully, I, I, you know what? I don't want anybody to send me a Battlefield Five beta key because I don't want to have to play it all. There. You got a shiny gaming laptop with your logo on it. That's true. Why don't you want to play Battlefield 5? Because he doesn't have a gaming throne. Mm, Fair. Loud. RTX isn't going to be enabled on it anyway, even if you had an RTX card. Is it really? In the beta? I don't don't think so, yeah. I don't think so. You need Redstone 5 for Yeah, you need need RS5 and stuff too. Well, sort of. Yes, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, also, in terms of random graphics news, uh, Radeon, the AMD launched the Radeon Pro V340. This is not a uh, gaming card. This is an enterprise-level card aimed at virtualization. It's actually a dual Vega graphics card, which is kind of interesting just from a, a design standpoint. Uh, it has uh, two Vega 56 GPUs in it. 7,168 stream processors in total, total two, two eight pin power connectors. I think. Is there one display output on that? It's not a display, it's a mini display port, but it's not a display output. It's yeah. for um, management okay. and firmware Wait. updating and stuff like that. Because this is meant for, this is meant for no, VDI. Yeah, I, I understand that it shouldn't have a display output, but it's using a mini display port, port for firmware and management on a GP. Isn't that what the house is for? You? Doesn't that make sense? <laughs> Looks yeah, like a perfect mining card. <laughs> like, what kind of proprietary <laughs> ass dong are you going to have to have for that? An AMD one? <laughs> yeah, one that they'll sell you or that their OEM partners will sell you. Um, <sighs> this one supports up to 32 virtual machines. Um, like I said, VDI-type okay. system here. Yeah, I mean, VDI is really the bread and butter for this sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Anything else on that, Jeremy? Uh, I think it's, just, it's only two slots. Only two slots. I think it's supposed to be like under two thousand dollars, right? It's uh, yeah. They didn't give an actual price. It's not but crazy it's expensive. So, um, and let's see. Speaking of drivers, Radeon Software Adrenaline Edition eighteen eight dot two. What stands out here, Jeremy? Uh, it's optimized for driving an F one car through zombies in the nineteen nice. fifties. Strange Brigade. Yes, and F1. Is F1 TM 2018 actually uh, F1 uh, trademark? Well, technically it is, but I shall remove that. Fitum 2018 uh, PDFs. I, I played a do? little Strange Brigade today okay. while, while GPU benchmarking. It actually seems pretty cool. Like, it's a oh, cool really? premise. Yeah, it's, it's is a, this the... It's a sniper elite people. But is it the game where you're taking part in multiple generations of like no. combat no no it's a four player uh, up to four player co-op sort of like zombie game zombie survival set, set game in, like, oh, the like, 50s uh, 60s something left like that dead. yeah it is totally um, different though left for dead four confirmed out. three confirmed yeah 
So have you picked up F1 2018, though? I I hear Uh, that they've done some pretty impressive things with the graphics. You know, I've been benchmarking with it. It looks exactly the same as 2017 to me from the benchmark. Okay, I better better just keep on my 2017. It turns out that they've been able to make cars look really good for a while. You know what? The results are pretty damn similar, too. I'm so happy I didn't buy that. Yeah. It was on sale on Green Man Gaming when we got it for benchmarking. It was but on day one. Yeah, I might, might pass it. <laughs> and our, uh, our last story of the night, let's talk about Global Foundries and uh, the fact that they dropped, they uh, per- indefinitely suspended development of 7 nanometer process technology affecting really two customers, AMD and IBM. And in reality... Neither of them that dramatically, if at all, because AMD was already going towards TSMC for their first uh, processor and their first GPU using 7 nanometer. Josh, what are your thoughts on, um, on, on Global Foundry's decision here based on what we know to this point? You know, there's, there's a lot to unpack here. And, and sadly, I'm, I'm still writing and compiling some information on. Okay. Well, then you can keep this. it short and we'll, we'll talk about it next week. That's fine, too. Okay. Yeah, that, that, would, that would be fantastic. But Almost essentially, like I called it a uh, you know, Global Foundries has been, um, has been a money pit for <laughs> Mubadala. Is it that how you pronounce them from Dubai? Uh, they've been putting a lot of money into them. They've been making acquisitions. They've been... You know, in fact, IBM paid them to take their foundry group. It's pretty great. It's a pretty good deal. Uh, yeah, until you, you figure out. It's like, you know, hey, I've got this $75,000 car, and I'm paying $2,300 a month. And so I'll tell you what. I'll just give you the car if you just start making the payments for it, and okay. I'm going to be happy. What if I take the car and don't make the payments? Well then, then people from Dubai are going to come and visit. <laughs> we okay. Come and take your EUV machines. Yeah, no, I'll leave my EUV. <laughs> you know, some guys with sledgehammers. They're just going to bust uh, in the sidewall, the outside walls of clean of your room, clean be damned. Let's do this and take EUV. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, and so okay, so they said essentially ninety percent of their R and D money was being sucked into 7 nanometer development. Now, if you look back, Global Foundries, they tried their own 14 nanometer process. It didn't work out. They licensed it from Samsung. I don't know what the license agreement is and how much Samsung gets from... Pack of bubblegum. What's that? Pack of bubblegum. Something like that. I mean, they've, I mean Global Foundries got to be paying still. Oh yeah, that. And sure. then they developed their own, you know, kind of twelve nanometer from that that Samsung fourteen nanometer, and that's where they're actually making some money. And they're trying to push that process as well as they're the only other FDSOI foundry in the world. I think the other one is um, SC Micro in France. They've hmm. got a fab that does about five thousand wafer starts a month, which is not. It's very not very much. Many. I mean, Megafab no. is 55,000 wafer starts a month, if not higher. And so they're going to focus on the things that they already have developed. They're trying to widen out their, their consumer base, trying to get probably just into the black because they haven't been for a long time since AMD divested themselves of this. It's been a money hole 
It's been a sink. It's and still, yeah, it, I think it's the right decision for them. It's kind of cruddy for the industry. It's yeah. cruddy for their partners, but they have no choice because how much money are you going to sink into this? It's it, it's kind of interesting to me because it feels like it was very recently that I was there. When the hell was that? Like 2011 or no, no, I was back up in Malta like last. At least, it was this year. Yeah. <clears throat> and I tore it and I saw the EUV machines. Uh, yeah. One was installed. They had another that was being, you know, like was being set up. Uh, they talked about how they had to like seal off the clean room to bring in this crane to, to hold the EUV machines and then reconstruct the clean room around it and what a pain in the ass Good it Lord. was. And I thought, Let's wow, do construction that's, in a clean room. This is, yeah, that's what they had to do, right? <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> and, you know, it, all the whole talk was about. I mean, they talked a little bit tangentially about these, you know, different materials, the FDSOI, the the other processes they're working on, but it was still heavily about this is our seven nanometer roadmap, this is our schedule, we're going to be a fast follower, uh, we're not going to be first to market, but we're going to do this, this, and this. I, I, I mean, and now they're going, like, yeah, you know, nah, you know, they changed CEOs, they probably got a couple of different quarterly reports back. Uh, they saw what what TSMC was doing. Maybe they saw again like how how much further ahead they were. Uh, they didn't want to license again from Samsung. Couldn't afford to do that. And I, I kind of got the impression that they weren't confident that the amount of orders they were going to get at seven nanometer, even with AMD and IBM uh, were going to be enough to sustain the development costs for any kind of foreseeable future. So and it's not even just the development cost, but it's the materials and the power cost of what they're doing. Now, uh, they don't have uh, – their their EUV, EUV machines are not online for any kind of you know heavy-duty manufacturing. But what is it? that Someone who's saying that, that it was like 5 or 10 megawatts <laughs> per EUV machine. Holy. I mean that's, that's like five wind turbines. Powering one machine, yeah, it's a ludicrous amount of power that uh, these a lot things of camel power. require. Yeah, five or ten. Oh, February. February. I was there in February. Where do you go from here if you're global foundries? Make it, uh, make you're it trying to expand your base of your customers. You're you're getting into as many low cost niche markets. Mm-hmm. Kind of with with. I mean they're. <laughs> with uh, RF, um, mixed mode, analog stuff, FDSOI is awesome. Mm-hmm. 22 uh, FDX and their upcoming 12 FDX, really, really good, interesting uh, physics and uh, um, behind that. I mean, the, the, the electrical I, capabilities, I mean, it's not as dense as what we get with like a, a 7 nanometer FinFET, obviously. Sure. But the the power characteristics and back bias and stuff like that it's it's really outstanding and they're, they're unique, able to use else. planar designs yeah. and not finfet. There, there there's a there's a whole one of the things that you know I wrote this in in my market watch piece I put up this week. It's it's really easy to get lost in the idea of ten nanometer seven nanometer this being everything that is foundry business. But yeah. the vast majority of chips that are made are still made on older process technologies, probably going back to 90 nanometers and, and, and stuff, right? If you look at what a small fab like uh, Skywater does, it used to be um, 
Cyprus, up in Minneapolis. You know, they do a lot of military work. They're doing a lot of customized and uh, specific materials that nobody else can use in, in the advanced processes. And Global Foundries is just going to lean more towards that direction, take take where their specialties are and, yeah. and, and try to... There's plenty of market for people that are still stuck on building parts on 90 or whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever they can find elsewhere, yeah, right? Yeah, it's and, unfortunately, as enthusiasts, we focus on the leading edge stuff, CPUs, yep. GPUs. Yeah. But... The vast majority of ICs that are, are being developed, are, they don't need to have seven nanometer process. They don't need ten. They don't need. They don't need twenty-two. They need, you know, twenty-eight nanometer high K metal gate. I mean, they they need yeah. forty-five nanometer stuff because they're small, very focused ASICs that Forget. if you shrink them down, they become kind of useless because you you can't put enough pads on there or you just waste a whole bunch of die space to be able to route pads onto the bottom of that so it can communicate with the world and so what's the point in in using seven nanometer when a 65 nanometer thing is the perfect size you get the 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 power is is minimal no matter what because it's such a focused part i i I was reading uh some of the earnings reports from asml who is one of the biggest providers of equipment to fabrication facilities and they were talking about you know basically people watch that and figure out what their projections are mm-hmm. to project for the foundry market as a mm-hmm. whole and one of the things that uh they had said and i think it was this quarter or the quarter before that um there was a significant shortage of like 28 uh 45 65 nanometer production equipment because it wasn't being manufactured anymore and people couldn't refurb it and resell it fast enough for mm-hmm. all these other fabs that were trying to produce in the space. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll, we'll talk more about it uh, probably when, when, when Josh writes up his piece, but it's, it's not the end of the world. I think a lot of people saw this and went, Oh my God, AMD is totally screwed now. And, and I don't <laughs> think that's the case. They were always leaning in TSMC. There's a reason why over the last several months it leaked out um, that, Seven nanometer Vega is going to be built at TSMC. That Rome, the first that is two part, is yeah. at TSMC. They right? already had seven nanometer stuff back, and the only yeah. seven nanometer process that I was, was told thing was that, TSMC. Yeah, they have they had out they had not taped anything out at Global Foundries um, yet. So you know they weren't as far along as maybe some people had had predicted they would be. All right, let's get into our hardware. Are you going to skip Mr. Anderson, or did you want a quick comment on that? Oh, yeah. No, no, yeah. Mr. Anderson, otherwise known as Jim Anderson, who was uh, Senior Vice President of the Client Compute Group at AMD, uh, is not there anymore. He resigned, and he took a job at um, Lattice Semiconductor as the CEO, which is a little – it's pretty disappointing – Jim's been there for a while. He's kind of been the guy overseeing all this stuff with the rise of, oh, damn it, that term, the rise of Ryzen and the Threadripper <laughs> brand and all the, you know, the Ryzen mobile and all the, all the consumer stuff, uh, including GPU, was under him over that time period. So I'm not exactly sure what the, what the stuff was there, what, why he left. Uh, most of the rumors are that this was like kind of a, you know, he, he got as high up as he could get inside AMD, wanted to be CEO. You know, Lisa Sue's been getting a lot of attention and doing very well, so she's not going to suddenly mm-hmm. step aside for this. So he went on, and don't be surprised if you see him in another five, ten years pop up at another company that you might 
find interesting. I know when it first came out that he was resigning, but they didn't say where he was going to be CEO of. Some people had said, oh, you're going to go to Intel. And it's like, not a chance. <laughs> no, he's, he's too young. Not a chance. I think he's been there, done that, hasn't he? Well, he was at Intel for a short time after the company was at was acquired. Um, but it's oh, not like okay. he was an Intel lifer or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, All right. Now we'll do hardware, software, picks of the week. Uh, mine is uh, this thing I've had plugged in here. I kept thinking it was going to show me more than that, Alan, than it did. This is the – You have to have it. Like, get the software. software installed. Yeah, I, just, I see Josh maybe, has a cat. Now you need a cat. This is the Elgato, the, the cat. Look at this cat. It's weird because they're oh. a German company. It's, so. it's a great cat. Um, so the Stream Deck is – in the. It's interesting now because Corsair bought Elgato, mm-hmm. what, two months ago something or something like that. like that? Yeah. So this is a, a, a switcher. It's basically an array of three by five scroll, buttons. Scroll back up. Uh, oh, back up. To the top. Is it, it like start the at zero three? or one? I'm sorry? Does it start at I zero said, or one? Doesn't say. <laughs> doesn't say. Um, I, I can confirm that it is one OLED screen underneath it because when I push the middle button like down real hard, I, you get the screen like the mm. pressed effect on the other on the other buttons. Yep. But it's got like an OLED screen on it, so um, you can configure what the icons are and the buttons are. You use this if you're going to stream on Twitch. If you're gonna, uh, uh, you know, we, we could replace Alex with this thing <laughs> here, and I just have five buttons, right? Is that pretty much how it works, Alex? Oh, five buttons. <laughs> there was a point where Ken developed his own replacement, and then True. I think he broke it on accident so that we couldn't actually on, on, do it on purpose. Accident. <laughs> yeah, let it go, Ken. Yeah. So, so this actually These has are LCDs. I'm sorry, not OLED. Yeah. This actually has sort of greater implications than just like streaming. That's what it's marketed towards. But you can it has very advanced macro key settings. You can make this do just about anything, and they keep updating the software. And you can do macros upon macros. You can have multiple pages of this stuff. Like it's. But like gifts on the individual screens, it's it's crazy. If there's any sort of like automation you want to do to simplify your life, you could run exes, you could run scripts, you could do so you whatever the hell you want on it. Like, uh, will, will it help my editing? kids do homework? Oh yeah, absolutely. Of course, yeah. Will you buy well, one? Push you, the button. Well, how, much, how much is it? <laughs> You've yeah. got to attach the electro to the kids first, though. How much is it? That's the important. I question. think this one's one fifty. They have one with. Of less Let's amount of see. keys. I don't remember how many for a hundred. I think or one. One fifty isn't bad. Yeah, it's a very well built product. Let's like, see. It comes, comes with a stand. You can adjust. Yeah, I've got that here. Angles. It's got. It's got. You can see it in the picture there. The stand that comes down, yeah. and you know, much like a, a lawn chair at a at a at a pool, you can adjust it. It's got <laughs> different kickouts for different levels that you want it to be at. Um, it's <laughs> a. These are really well built devices. They don't feel cheap. They don't. They're not chintzy. And um, like I said, they keep updating the software. Like if you look at the their community stuff, you look at the subreddit for Elgato Gaming. They're pretty active on that, and they just they just keep adding new. I think this we, this one is we definitely bought ourselves. Oh we? yeah, this one here. we bought it when it first the serial came out. number is nine two six. We bought it when it first came out. Considering I had kind of developed my own hacked one of these, and then right. it came out as a commercial product, and I went, ah. it just had to come full circle on it. Yeah, it's it's a pretty neat thing. So you could use this for you could set up macros for like Premiere probably mm-hmm. with it as well. If you know you had a yeah. function that you did constantly, or maybe you have a button that has type my home address so that anytime you're getting stuff shipped to you, you can just hit that button and it. You know what this reminds me overkill. of? Uh, no, 1970s CAD stations. Ooh, because they just had 
that was what they had that little joystick mouse thing, and then they had the the buttons that they pressed that did different functions. Actually, that'd be it. It'd be a really cool thing. Be handy for like CAD. A CAD. Yeah. I don't want to talk about modeling CAD program. <laughs> All right, don't no. be a CAD. Uh, let's see. Who do we have next? We're gonna have King Jeremy, King, the Wicked King Jeremy. Okay. King Jeremy, King Jeremy the, Crosby, the Wicked. All right, so NordVPN is not the worst VPN on the planet. It's and they not. only steal bandwidth. Hang on. Yeah. Uh, however, for 100 bucks, you can get six computers covered before it for three years. Hang on. So, you know, if you're, you're looking for a VPN, you've got friends traveling that would like to be able to access their stuff, or, you know, you're doing fun things for the next four days, three years for 99 bucks is not that bad. How much do we do you have to worry about bandwidth on your VPN service, right? Because everything you do goes through that, right? So yep. if you're downloading anything or whatever, um, do they have like download limits or bandwidth limits uh, while you're traveling, that type of stuff? That's what that's no. what I would be curious they, about. They don't, and they'll block uh, for the most part uh, being able to monitor your bandwidth usage. On certain ISPs. Yeah, and they let oh. you do six devices through your NordVPN account. That's pretty good. Yeah. Now, I've got a friend that's headed over to Thailand, and he was asking me, and I'm like, well, shit, for this, we just split it 45 bucks a piece, three years. Yeah. On. Uh, it I says unlimited bandwidth. Here, I think it's so. not so much yeah. that they're limiting you. It's just like, what's the max throughput you're going to get? Right. Like, is it going to slow you down? But you, yeah. usually when, yes. I, when, I think I'm, when I think of times I'm using a VPN, I'm already expecting the internet to be slow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for whatever that's worth, I guess. Hey, look, your IP address. Up top. Oh, no, we're going to get hacked. Oh, no. Hacksers. It says unprotected. Oh, no. You are unprotected. Well, they know we're already going through a VPN. Well, that's true. Hmm. They wouldn't know. I accept your cookies. All right, what else? Who's next? Um... RX 580s right now are are getting cheap. Watch out for specials. This one may not be the greatest one. I mean, uh, the reviews vary, but of course, you know, reviews may not always be great. But the big thing is, is the free game pack bundle. Oh, right. Yes. That's 150 bucks worth of games on a $240 card. And it's, uh, what the, uh, uh, check Assassin's Creed chat. Odyssey, The Strange Brigade, which you talked about, and then Star Control Origins, which mm. use Adam Baldwin for uh, voice acting on that particular one. It's been a while since we've had a good game bundle. Weird. Yeah, because they've been able to sell <laughs> GPUs without them, right? Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> miners don't care about game bundles, as it turns out. <laughs> a new Assassin's Creed title? Yeah, the new Assassin's Creed Strange Odyssey. Brigade. And you said Strange Brigade was looked like it would be pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Strange Brigade you get now, Odyssey and Star Control Origins are coming out later, right? I believe so. This later this year, so. Very cool. All right. Uh, Jeremy. You already did Jeremy. No, Alan. What are you, a parent? Uh, kid. Didn't go. use his full <laughs> name yet, so. Uh, so I found myself... Playing with this thing again the other day. I thought I was just going to collect. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought I was just going to collect dust it? on the shelf again. But uh, 
So I got this for like a Christmas present or something. Um, Atari Flashback Portable Deluxe. The price has been kind of creeping up because I don't think they're making them anymore. So Ooh, I would say it's the special edition. It well, it's got a screen on it, like it's, as opposed to the ones that were just the joystick that you plugged into the TV, right? Can it do that proper spinach screen of the old Nintendo one? Just because uh, I don't know, but this one, so it's got a screen on its own. It'll run on batteries. You can like you know. Atari games or whatnot. It runs off of an SD card with ROMs on it, basically. Like, if you want to add more games, right? Uh, SDHC, not SDXC, so you're limited to two gigabytes worth of Atari ROMs, which I don't think is going to be a problem. SDHC is more than two gigabytes? No, I think two is... Isn't it two where it switches over? No. Uh, that's what you, I don't know. That's like 32. Oh. Well, yeah. I remember is I had to go... Well, for whatever reason, I had to go smaller than that. So for, there's something limiting it uh, where it won't recognize cards that are too big. Anyway, uh, you know, fill the thing full of old Atari game ROMs and, you know, you just hmm. get your retro on, on like a handheld thing cool. with actual buttons on it, right? Cool. Uh, and you can still plug it into a television as well. It comes with the... Does it have a joystick port then? Or do you use the handheld? No, you still use that. Mm-hmm. It's just the screen swing, yeah. I think. I think it stays on on both, actually. Oh, really? Like, I think the, the display stays on, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Cool. It's it's kind of pricey new there, but I would yeah. say, like, you but know... Does it have Adventure? Uh, I'm not sure if it comes with Adventure. Actually, if you go back to that, you already closed because it, Because it's, it's the best thing. It's the, it's the uh, first Easter egg. Come on, man. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's all Looks a bunch like of uh, Activision games. Um... Let's see, I have a Roger, picture of the back. Of Wait, the box. does that say new hit titles? It does. <laughs> it does have adventures. Does it have Custer's Revenge on it? No, it uh, does not have Custer's Revenge. Uh, no. Crystal Castles. Ooh. It comes with a lot of titles, but again, like if you know where to look, you can basically add all Wink. Of, you can like add every single Atari It doesn't list thing what ever. games come with it in this listing. Is there no picture of the back of the box with the pictures? <clears throat> no, there's shame. just these three pictures. The back of the box has all of the mm. titles that it comes with. It's like a decent number out of the box. It's Did a, you get the travel case for the Texas Instruments TI-84 Plus graphing calculator along with it? No. <laughs> no. Oh, there's come a frequently on. bought together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by one person that happened to well, do that. Well, now it looks like it would fit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like it, I, I guess. Oh well. All right. No one took a picture of the back. That's just bizarre. Dummies. It does look like an Atari Lynx, actually. Per per the chat. Alex, Aircon. is this yours or it is? What do you got? So no one noticed this in the rundown today, but nope, nope, no one noticed it. What oh, I did notice a different shade. Yeah, we have different shades yeah. of color in the rundown. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. And. Wanky. Yeah. So this tool actually came in very, very useful for this. I, I might have brought this up over a year ago, Palaton. Um, it's a color palette generator. Uh, Look at that. It's an amazing tool. Gives you the different shades. Like you you like, can do, um, if you go to the very top there, it has the type of palettes it gives you. Uh, it'll give you page huh. demos. It'll give you uh, less and CSS outputs. Hmm. Um, I have used this tool so much whenever I get suckered into web work. So if you're going to paint your house. Sure. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, if you're, you're, you're trying to go to Lowe's and you ask for the hex code, the yeah. thing you want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you go to your paint mixer grab the hex can code. Can you go to Home Depot and give them a hex code? Actually, Actually I, I think you can. stuff. It won't so. work, I'm pretty but sure you, could. you can. I you bet have you to talk could. to the right guy. Yeah, That's pretty this, cool. This is hours huh. of entertainment, too. <laughs> and, and you can, when you set a palette up, you can share yeah, it. Nobody's having a seizure, are they? Yeah. This is my favorite set right here. Black. It's just black. It's like my soul. And, and there's also the uh, the ever ever fun randomized. Oh, nice! Oh yeah, there's a randomized button. Yep, top right, right. top right, top right. Randomize, randomize, randomize. <laughs> like I said, hours of entertainment doesn't seem very random. Because he's like, using similar. Oh, you're not very random. It's it's like playing with the color palettes for a website on Dreamweaver. Yep. Yeah, this one's this one's pretty random. <laughs> oh, that's it. Bring the blink tag back. <laughs> I want the website to just do that. Oh, oh, oh. Now I'm right clicking. Oh. Can it just do that? I'm sure you could script it up if you really yeah. wanted to. <laughs> Try to read this website, bitches. <laughs> Have the text be doing everything. Just going nuts. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> all right, very cool. Uh, that's going to be it for us this time, guys. PCPro.com slash podcast. Find all the back episodes, show notes, links to the stories we talked about, um, picks of the week, all that crap is there. <laughs> Videos, MP3s, find it there. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Bye.